Warning, this video contains brief discussion of suicide. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp Online Therapy. Visit betterhelp.com slash Padilla because sometimes existing is exhausting. My name's Anthony Padilla and I spent a day with autosexuals. We'll uncover the truth about how it feels to get butterflies in their stomach when thinking about themselves or visualizing themselves naked. And how autosexuality can go far beyond simply being sexually attracted to oneself, resulting in one of the guests in this video falling in love with and even getting engaged to marry by the end of this video, we'll find out if identifying as autosexual has enabled these guests to unlock a level of self-confidence and self-love far beyond what most people allow themselves to experience, or if the unprovoked attacks and hate that they receive claiming that they're just narcissistic attention seekers made them regret publicly embracing this label in the first place. Hello, Gia. Hello. Alex. Hi. Kenzie. Hi, Anthony. How are you? How do you define autosexuality? It's self-love. It's uh, seeing yourself in the mirror and being able to not only love yourself, but be aroused by yourself. I prefer self-pleasure over sex with like partners or anyone else. In the same way I would be attracted to a lover, I am attracted to myself. It goes beyond sexual attraction to yourself. It is also romantic. Yes, very much so. Is it the exact same thing as interacting with like a potential suitor? I look at myself the way that like other people would look at their partners. You stand there, nude in the mirror, admiring your body and saying, <laughs> damn. Bangable. Yes, like that. I love looking at myself in the mirror. And when I spend time by myself, I often feel like I'm spending time alone with a crush. I just look in the mirror and I like what I see. I may even look in the mirror while doing my my essential acts with myself and that can really progress things. I've done an episode on asexuality. Does autosexuality fall under the asexuality spectrum? It is considered asexual. The difference is you have the people that are sex repulsed, which most asexuals find themselves kind of on that side. I'm not to the point where I will never have sex with someone else, but I just don't prefer it. I've known for a long time that I've been able to experience love, desire, and pleasure with other people. But the second that you surpass, you know, second base and you're, you're migrating on to third, my brain tends to um, shut down. To what degree do you prefer self-pleasure over pleasure with others? Out of the entire month, I usually only have sex like once or twice. But then with myself, it's pretty healthy, pretty regular. It's like I'm not completely turned off on it. It's just not that common to find me actually wanting it with other people. Is it fluid? Is it... Some days it's more than the other, or is, is it pretty consistent? For me, I would say it is pretty fluid. Like I have some weeks where I have pretty regular sex with my partners, and then other times where I go several months without wanting right. anyone else. Why do you think autosexuality is seen as narcissistic while the self-love movement is seen as something empowering and, and encouraging. The only difference is that it's a sexuality. I feel like it, it's their own self-esteem or their opinion of themselves that may guide them into thinking, well, you, you have this inflated ego, you, you're, you're narcissistic. So I think it's really true to heart, a projection on themselves. Where is that line drawn between 
encouraging someone to love themselves and saying, ew, that person is narcissistic for loving themselves a little bit too much. Narcissism tends to be psychological and, and mental, whereas autosexuality tends to be like emotional and personal. You look at yourself and you find yourself hot for you. You don't sit there and go, everyone around me knows I'm hot. That to me screams more of the narcissistic mindset. No one in the world could know that you find yourself sexually attractive if you didn't choose to talk about it. Yes, exactly. Do you remember the moment when you realized that the attraction that you felt for yourself was different than the way that others were attracted to themselves? It started when I was seven and I looked at myself in the mirror after I had showered and I noticed I really liked what I saw. I discovered I was autosexual before I realized I was attracted to other women, actually. I actually decided to go online and say, why is it that sometimes when I'm doing the do, <laughs> I think only of myself? And that's how I came to the discovery that autosexual was even a term. Your brain's gonna sit there and think, wow, I'm, am I full of myself? And it takes that sitting down and saying, no, because I don't care what other people think of me. Before you had the term for it, did you try to suppress it? Did you try to say, oh wait, I shouldn't feel these things about myself, I should feel that way about others? <laughs> God, yeah. A lot of it was me, you know, trying to force myself to enjoy things with other people. But what I came to realize was the sassy time with other people was a chore. It wasn't pleasing. It was, I am doing this to make sure that everything feels normal in the relationship. See, I never really suppressed my autosexuality. Like once I realized it was there, I really tried to cultivate it. And I found it's been really beneficial for me. When I was in college, I had a wet dream about myself that I, was hooking up with a version of myself with green hair. And then I actually went and dyed my hair green. And then you were like, damn, I am into myself. Right. Have you ever come out to your parents? They don't need to know that I pleasure myself to myself. <laughs> it's like, what's, what? why would that come up in conversation? Do you think there's a chance they might see this video? Ah. Uh... <laughs> Yes. Hey, Kenzie's parents, hope you learned something new. Hope it didn't scar you too much. Yeah, John and Wendy, I love you very much. I'm sure you're, I'm sure you're gonna support me. My dad's got a psychology degree. He'll just go read a few books and then be fine. Have you dealt with any adverse reaction from anyone that you know when you come out as autosexual to them? I think when it comes to sexuality, people can be very closed-minded. And if something isn't traditional, then people tend to be wary of it. But I've also heard obtuse arguments like, well, if everyone was autosexual, then nobody would reproduce ever. So I think people just bring their assumptions into it right. and project them onto me. And it's just a reflection of their prejudices. Why are people caring about who's reproducing? It's, it seems bizarre that they're basically saying like, I want you to reproduce so bad. Make a baby, damn it. I don't know you, but I you probably won't. And I'm upset that you're not gonna make me a baby. <laughs> I've had some people say that I should kill myself that people like me are going to die out because we won't breed. A lot of accusations that revolve around being selfish, narcissistic, and toxic for society. When you are experiencing self-pleasure, are you thinking about yourself and your body and the way you are? Or is there something else that you're thinking about? The main thing I think about is just like my physical appearance, I find myself sexy. The same way that I find my partner sexy. And I feel like with that, it's a lot easier to pay attention to my body and what my body's feeling too, which is something that I used to struggle with before I came to terms with my sexuality. Does it ground yourself, make you feel like you are there yeah, and it definitely present because does. you are connecting your mind to your body and thinking about your body? If I'm thinking about my partner and only my partner, it just, it, I 
don't feel pleasured with it. So it keeps me from like dissociating during sex. In college was the first time I went and took myself out on a date. I feel like a lot of people have done a, a thing where they go out by themselves and they don't call it a date. They don't say that they're taking themselves out. Why do you think it is that you choose to view it that way? Is it because there's something more to it? Date night is more special. It's like I'm spending intimate time with myself, appreciating myself for who I am. It's specifically devoted to self-pleasure. It's all about the mood you're creating and the intent behind spending time with yourself that makes it a date. A lot of people, after they experience something sexual with a partner, come out of that experience afterwards feeling so much more connected, feeling more confident in themselves. Do you feel that with yourself after experiencing a sexual act with yourself? It's almost like I just meditated for like 30 minutes and I'm sitting there just in this euphoric state of peace, tranquility, no thoughts running through my head. And that is something that is near impossible when being sexual with someone else, especially the aftermath. The aftermath is just pure anxiety for me, mainly because my partner wasn't able to do to me what I did to them. You are engaged to yourself. Yes. How did that happen? Did you, how, did you plan a moment to propose yourself? Did you do the whole traditional thing of getting down on one knee? It's not a le legally binding marriage. Right. I haven't found any kind of marriage ritual that I want to do, because let's face it, the self-marriage ritual is a self-love ritual. The only person I think I'll ever marry is myself. I realized, oh, hey, that's a good idea. And literally, I was sitting there at the computer, and I asked myself, Gio, do you want to marry me? And I said yes. And, then... and just like that, I was engaged. <laughs> was it a match made in heaven? Are you happy with this engagement Absolutely. so far? Absolutely. Like this. A lot of people say that sexuality is something that you are born with and cannot be changed and is never influenced by the outside. How do you think your experiences through life may or may not have affected your sexuality? Although not all auto autosexuals and not all asexuals are the way they are due to trauma, for me, I am. I had my father and my brother sexually abused me for several years. And then I also was groomed and molested at church. At some point or another, I was being abused by someone. For the longest time, I was on that end of the spectrum where I was completely sex repulsed. Whenever I'm having sex with someone else, I can't help but to have those thoughts about what has happened to me and I struggle with intrusive thoughts and flashbacks. I do feel like some part of me with or without the trauma is still autosexual, but I just feel like the trauma sort of like amplified it. And do you fear that some people might be frustrated with you for saying that your experience may have been influenced by traumas that you've experienced in your life? Yeah, I've had that. It definitely falls back into the black and white thinking, either all asexuals are this way or none of them are. Some people, whether it's within the community or not, they hear that and say, so sexuality is a choice. That's not what I'm saying. Trauma does re like rewire your brain. Even if I work through my trauma, I'll still probably fall under the asexual spectrum because yeah. my brain is never going to not be the way that it is. Have you found that the LGBTQ community is completely accepting of autosexuality? Before we continue learning about the world of autosexuality, this episode, along with others, like I spent a day with asexuals, pansexuals, bisexuals, and even dominatrixes, are available completely uncensored on the podcast version of the show. I'd like to thank DoorDash for sponsoring this episode. Maybe you're like me and have no idea what to eat until you're too hungry to function, or you 
Just want a home-cooked guilty pleasure, but don't feel like going to the grocery store and breathing in all that pre-breathed air. DoorDash connects you with everything you want, whenever and however you want it. With over 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos, or you could choose from your favorite national treasures like Chipotle or Cheesecake Factory. Ordering is very easy, and your items can be left safely outside your door when you choose contactless delivery drop-off. So you don't even have to acknowledge the existence of other humans on this planet if you don't want to. And for a limited time, our viewers and listeners of the podcast will get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter code Padilla. Super simple, let me lay it out one more time. That's 25% off up to $10 in value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app and enter code Padilla. Subject to change, terms apply, so be quick and nimble. Now back to the world of autosexuals. Have you found that the LGBTQ community is completely accepting of autosexuality? I've noticed that people who are in the LGBTQ community tend to be more accepting of my autosexuality there are also plenty who aren't. I've even been accused of making the LGBTQ community look bad. Other asexuals who tend to be a lot more turned off because they think it gives them a bad look. I had someone tell me flat out that I shouldn't be going to Pride because I'm making them look to be a joke. Why do you think people do feel like it's making a mockery out of sexualities. I feel like it just comes from not understanding it. They don't think to look into it because why would they look into it more if they already know what it is? Unlike other sexualities, autosexuality cannot be seen unless you're into some really freaky shit. Do you find <laughs> that you have felt oppressed at all in, in public for autosexuality? One could say yes, because not many people know about autosexuality, but part of that is tied to because it's so self-involved. Really, I feel like the only person that could oppress you is yourself. How has having this label benefited you in your life? I feel like being able to name my autosexuality helps me explore it more because I was able to know exactly what it was and it gave me a direction for how I could cultivate better experiences with myself and really experience my love for myself in full. Me being autistic and neurodiverse, being able to have a label that uh, honestly someone else figured out so I don't have to is the only way I have been able to describe things like my queer identity. Without those definitions, I'm just lost for words. If there were no labels, then you'd have to, every person would have to give an in-depth viewpoint, whereas I would just want someone to know who I am, you know, surface level right off the bat. And I think that's what we're discovering with these labels. Everybody's brain is so vastly different that if you want someone to know who you are as quickly as possible or know, you know, the way you process sexuality or process your gender, these labels are what, what's creating that. What's something you wish you could say to anyone, you know, who might even be in the comments right now saying, autosexuality is not a real sexuality. You just made it up. You're wrong. <laughs> We're here whether you like it or not. Why do you care? Ask yourself internally why it's worth your time to even acknowledge this. Because from that, you might find self-prejudice, you might find discovery, you might find that you're autosexual and you've been hiding and you've been keeping it to yourself. Rocio wants to know if someone looks really similar to you, maybe even identical to you, could you find yourself sexually attracted to that person? Or does it 
go beyond just physical attraction? Do you require something that is innately you? Honestly, no. It's not looking in the mirror and seeing a physical being that is attractive. It's looking in the mirror and seeing me. So if I was looking at someone who looked like me, once I got past the, what the fuck's going on here, <laughs> it'd probably just be more like, damn, I didn't know I looked that good, but I wouldn't have any desires past that, even if I have thought about those desires mentally myself. I've had that experience before. I had a partner in high school. We looked exactly alike. Our personalities are about the same too. So it's not just them physically looking like me. She looked and acted exactly like me. Like it was like a fucking mirror. So, <laughs> so it wasn't just the looks, it was also the personality that was much like you. Yeah, it was physical and the personality So it felt like you had a clone too. of yourself. Uh, we would always joke about being doppelgangers. I guess that was uh, maybe one of your first signs that you were attracted to yourself. That should have been a sign. <laughs> when you're talking with someone and the, the subject comes up that you are autosexual, do you invite people to be curious and ask questions. I would let anybody ask me any question about anything. It is my responsibility to answer the questions for those who may feel like their question is ignorant or even rude, where a lot of the times a rude comment, it wasn't meant to be rude. It came off in ignorance, but someone may not be able to see that. A lot of people are, are curious, but afraid to ask questions because they don't want to overstep boundaries, but then they kind of remain ignorant. You know, they, they, they remain distancing themselves from these conversations. 100% being able to answer any question has allowed me to you know, take the most ignorant of people who may have the most base layer viewpoint of what we're going for and get them to understand things a little bit more. And from there, it's up to them whether they take the information or not. If there's anyone watching who feels like they might identify as autosexual, but is having either trouble coming to terms with it with themselves or having trouble publicly identifying this way because of the negative stigma attached to it. Is there anything that you want to say to them? If you feel like you need to take your time coming out, then definitely take it. But I would still encourage you to explore your autosexual desires. They've led me to a treasure trove of self-love. All right, you got five seconds to shout out and promote anything you want directly into camera, go. If you want to know any more about what it means to be trans or auto in any way, go check out my TikTok. You can click the link, listen to my music, go see our YouTube channel, whatever you want. Here's a shout out for Quail Bell Magazine. Woo! I have a TikTok and Instagram, and then I also have my main YouTube channel. I do talk about subjects like this on my channel too. If you're willing to learn and educate yourself on any topic whatsoever, go to Anthony Padilla's channel, because I guarantee you there's gonna be a topic that you're interested in, and a topic that you didn't even know existed. True. I'm sure a lot, of, a lot of people are learning about autosexuality today. For and the learning first about time. bisexuality and asexuality. You go. cover so much. There we go. Well, there you have it. I spent a day with autosexuals, and I feel like I understand the nuances of autosexuality a little more, like how finding oneself attractive is not necessarily exclusive from loving others, and how empowering it can be to give yourself full permission to unabashedly love and appreciate yourself in all ways. Well, I've had some very fulfilling experiences with mirrors. Ooh, let's hear. You got any hot spicy scoops for us? Um, yeah, I love mirror sex, whether it's with another person or just with myself. And I also enjoy taking sexy photos of myself. I don't have an OnlyFans or anything, but I like to enjoy the photos for myself and I share them with people who I deem worthy. Right, so you don't even need an undisclosed website for fans. You can just have this personal 
Rolodex of photos for you and you only. You are the fan. Yes. <laughs> the only fan is me. <laughs>